welcome to The Practical Prophetic, where prophetic ministry is made practical. I'm Beth Wingate, I'm your host, and welcome to the podcast. On our podcast today, we are going to talk about prophetically navigating forgiveness. Forgiveness is another one of those topics that can sometimes be uncomfortable to really dive into. And so I want to start by saying that I believe that forgiveness itself is a prophetic act, because this is something that we do in faith. And so let me give you a scripture to just sort of set the foundation. It's found in Psalms 130, verse 4. It says, For with thee is forgiveness, that thou may be feared. I'm going to suggest to you that forgiveness is not a what, but it is a who. So first, let's dive into some of the definitions of what forgiveness is. I think there's some misconceptions about forgiveness, what it is, what it is not. And so I want to talk about those things. And then I want to talk about just some practical ways that we can apply forgiveness. Uh, Let's just start by forgiveness in the biblical sense. So forgiveness is the act of letting go of sin. You know, in the Bible, this includes forgiving everyone, every time of everything. It's an act of obedience and gratefulness to God. It acknowledges the sacrifice of God made through Jesus, who died to restore the relationship between God and man. I mean, that's pretty foundational to what forgiveness is. Let me give us a couple of scriptures for that. The first one is found in 1 John 1, 9. It says, if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Confess whatever is making you feel shame, guilt, and regret. You know, confession is so important. It's an important part of our salvation. It's an important part of when we pray to the Lord And it's just, it's important. It's foundational. And so if you want to get free from sin, one of the first steps is confession. But I don't want to get too far ahead of us. Let me back up and give us some other definitions of what forgiveness is. Now, let's talk about maybe in a psychological sense, maybe how the world sees forgiveness. It says that it is the intentional and voluntary process by by which one who may initially feel victimized undergoes a change in feelings and attitudes regarding a given offense and overcomes negative emotions such as resentment and vengeance. Okay, so that's the world's definition. Now, that's a lot easier said than done. And I do believe that even in the world, forgiveness can can be uh, practiced and, and acted out. But I'm going to challenge to say that uh, without a spiritual component, I don't know that you can fully forgive someone, who, especially who has deeply wronged you. So uh, that would be the world's definition. Let me talk about maybe what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is, uh, is not forgetting. You know, people say forget and forgive, but I don't think that forgetting is necessarily required for forgiveness. Forgiveness does not mean that you no longer are upset by what happened or or you're offended by what happened or you're hurt by what happened. Uh, Forgiveness 
Forgiving someone who has sinned against you does not mean that you could cease longing for justice. You know, we're going to get into all of these. Uh, Forgiveness does not mean that you make it easy for the offender to hurt or offend you again. Forgiveness is rarely a one-time event. Wow. Okay, so let's talk maybe about some of the definitions of what forgiveness is. God in Christ forgave us by taking on destructive and painful consequences of our sin against him. So he's our ultimate example. Jesus is our example. God forgave us in Christ by canceling the debt we owe him, meaning we're no longer liable for our sins and and in any way made to pay for them. Forgiving others as God has forgiven us means we resolve to revoke revenge. Wow, that's deep. Forgiving others as God has forgiven us means that we determine to to do good to them rather than evil. That's good too. (laughs) And then God forgave us in Christ, reconciling us to himself and restoring the relationship that our sin had shattered. I mean, we as Christians have been forgiven. Therefore, we are commanded to forgive others. So I'm going to challenge us that this is really about obedience. At the very end, you know, when you put it all in the pot and you boil it down, you're left with one thing, and that is obedience. You know, obedience and gratitude. I would probably throw gratitude in there as our motivation for forgiving someone who has really done us wrong. I'm just I'm just going to say it this way again. You know, forgiveness is a prophetic act of faith. Um, Jesus paid the penalty. And so he he asked us to do what he has already done for us, and that is to forgive others. Let me dive into the Hebrew word study. Now, if you've been listening to me anytime at all, you know that I love word studies. And this is where we're going to sort of get into the prophetic aspect of how to practically navigate forgiving. All right, so the, the most common definitions, there are basically four definitions in your Bible that are translated in the King James Bible as the word forgive or forgiveness. The most common one that's used about 600 times is Strong's H5375, and it is the word NASA. N-A-S-A, NASA. Now, there's a little variations of NASA, but it all comes back to that same root word that is NASA. And uh, NASA is an acronym that we use in our space program, and it is tied to a Hebrew word. And so this is going to be interesting, and I believe this is really where the prophetic part comes in. So NASA means to take up or to lift up or to like uh, to capture and take up quickly and to lift up to heaven or to look up. That's basically the definitions of NASA. And so here's what I think that means. In fact, it can be translated as um, the word forgive or forgiven, but sometimes it will also be attached to the word as like they lifted up their eyes or they looked up, which by the way, when you're reading in your King James Bible, and it will say 
uh, lift up thine eyes, or they looked up or lifted up thine eyes. That's a clue in Hebrew there. That's a play on words or an idiom. And it basically means pay attention. There is a spiritual parallel being shown to you, you know, in the following verses. And so pay attention. There's a, there's a duality going on in the scripture that you need to key into. And so that's a, that's one of those neat little things you, you learn when you start looking into the Hebrew definitions and the root words. But this is what I think NASA means and why it's attached to the words for forgiveness. I believe that we take all of that emotion, all of that, uh, hurt, all of that anger, all of that sadness, reject, you know, whatever you're feeling. And you're basically going to capture that and you're going to throw it up to heaven. That's the way I see it. It's a release. You're releasing that up to heaven because really it's bigger than us. And you need to apply supernatural principles to deal with this. So you're just going to give it Throw it up to heaven. Throw it to the Lord, if you will, because we were not designed to carry that kind of a burden. And so we give that to the Lord. We release that to the Lord. We 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 put it in the spaceship, if you will, and launch it to heaven. And so we'll dig into this as we go. Let me give you some of the other definitions and hopefully everything will come into focus. The second most common definition in the Old Testament attached to the word for forgiveness is Strong's H3722 Kafar, and I may be pronouncing these wrong. I don't speak Hebrew, but it basically means to pardon, to atone, to purge, and to cover. Wow, these are wonderful definitions. And then the third definition most commonly used in the Old Testament is Strong's H5545, and it is the word salak, and it means to pardon, to cancel debt, or to lift up. And so there's just something really interesting to me about lifting up, you know, taking your 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 pardon and, and sort of casting it to the Lord, to heaven, you know, upward, if you will. And then there's the Greek version of these words, uh, and it's aphimimi, and I may be pronouncing that wrong too, but this is how Rick Renner summarizes it, and he's a wonderful teacher when it comes to Greek definitions. He has some books called Sparkling Gems, and they are fantastic, but it basically means to set free, to release, and to let it go. So powerful. You know, forgiveness really does mean to to let it go, to send it to heaven, to release it to the Lord. That's exactly, you know, just from these definitions, what that means. Now that, like I said, is easier sometimes said than done, depending on the offense, depending on abuse attached to that or whatever you know that's a process sometimes that's a journey and so I'm, I'm hoping to give you practical steps to navigate that journey let me give us a few quotes let me just sort of put some of this into perspective I, I cherry-picked three quotes that I really like the first one is by C.S. Lewis he said to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. That's so powerful. The second quote I took was from Mark Twain. 
I thought this one was really interesting. He said, forgiveness is the fragrance that the violet sheds on the hill that has crushed it. Man, let me read that again, because that one to me was just put imagery to the concept of forgiveness. He said, forgiveness is the fragrance that the violet sheds on the hill that has crushed it. I absolutely, that's poetic. I love it. He, what, what a master with language. And then this last one is by Lewis B. Smeads. He says, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. Wow. You know, forgiveness is such a deep topic, and there's just so many things I could say about forgiveness. So let me read a scripture that can say it so much better than I can. It's Matthew 6, verses 14 and 15. It says, For if you forgive others their trespass, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespass, neither will your Father forgive your trespass. Wow, we are in deep water today. So this is saying exactly what it's saying, that if you don't forgive other people, the Lord won't forgive you of some of the things that you do. And, you know, you, you know, he's, he has paid the ultimate price. He took, Jesus took on our sins on the cross. Unbelievable. And this is just, you know, uh, let me read this one too. Luke twenty three thirty four. And we know this scripture. He says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. You know, sometimes when people who have forgiven us, you know, you just have to wonder, do they even know what they're doing? Do they have any idea, you know, the hurt that they're causing? Let me give us a little story. Let me just sort of uh, stop right here and talk about a little story and sort of lighten the moment. And, And most of us can probably in some way relate to something like this. So as I was preparing for this podcast, I was sort of researching and pulling my thoughts together and praying about it and listening to different messages. And one of those was Joyce Meyer. And she tells this story right here. She talked about how that a woman in church one time had really deeply hurt her, had just really offended her and hurt her, betrayed her, you know, just it was not good. And so she said that uh, she was in service and the, the lady was also at the same church and the pastor uh, did one of those things where he said, you know, go hug your neighbor's neck and, you know, greet your neighbor or whatever. And she said that the Holy Spirit, well, first initially she said she was like, well, that's the last person in the room I'm going to hug. You know, she's like, oh, she didn't even want to make eye contact. She, you know, she was just disgusted to even see the woman and, and it would, you know, bring up all kind of emotions and and sort of evoke a response in her. And so she said that um, the Holy Spirit, Spirit began to move on her and told her that's the very person you, you need to hug. And she said she almost like argued with the Lord in her mind, like, no way, you know, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> and and uh, sort of having this conversation, this argument with the Lord. But she said she did. She ended up hugging the woman. And uh, she said that it did. It gave her that release because she said in the act of hugging her I don't know if she actually communicated it to the woman or not but she said she forgave her and she said it was just an an amazing 
supernatural occurrence that happened when she was able to release the person that had done her wrong. But you know, what if she had not done that? What if she had what if she had just sort of let you know, let it continue, let that feeling continue, let that discomfort continue and grow. So I do want to touch on this point before we get into our steps that the lack of forgiveness, unwillingness to forgive can break our fellowship with God and we don't want that. That's the last thing we want. You know, if uh, if you're offering a gift at the altar and you remember that, uh, you know, your brother has something against you and you leave the gift there before you're reconciled, then you're harboring bitterness and sin. And I'm taking that right out of Matthew chapter 5. You know, we we really can't come bring our sacrifice and, and you know we don't sacrifice of course animals today but we bring ourselves as living sacrifice we bring our worship as sacrifice um you know we 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 offer ourselves up to the lord but how can we really offer up all of us when we have this thing you know with someone else this unforgiveness this thing that we're harboring this you know this little thing eating away at us and so we're not going to be able to experience everything that God has for us when we're hanging on to that bitter, you know, resentful offense or that hurt or, the, you know, that wrong that someone has perpetrated on us. And look, I'm not saying this is instant. I'm not saying this is easy. You know, I believe forgiveness is like like that that a point that I read earlier. It's not a one-time thing, just like oftentimes the offense was not a one-time thing. It may be a process of a continual, uh, you know, determination that you make. Uh, let me talk about this. Let me talk about why sometimes this is such a touchy subject and why it may be so difficult. Um, I'm going to propose, now I'm a believer, I'm a visual learner, and so I'm a believer in uh, soul ties. Some people are like, oh, that's weird, I don't understand that. Well, let me explain it maybe the way I understand it, because there is a little bit of room for, uh, you know, for, I guess, a a fluctuating definition. Here's the way I see soul ties. You know, we are a three-part being. Of course, we're flesh, and then we have the realm of our soul, and then spirit. Okay, so the realm of our soul is our mind, will, emotions, and intellect. And so I believe that uh, some people, and, and to me, the realm of the soul is sort of the mingling of the, you know, between flesh and spirit and so soul ties i believe are where someone has an emotional maybe hold on you Uh, sometimes it can be a logical hold but typically emotions seem to be um, you know very powerful and so so someone sometimes can have such a strong emotional sway on you and when that person has uh, done you wrong then that can create a real deep emotions within you that, you know, that that touch, like it touches a nerve. Maybe that's the way that, that we can understand it because you had such a deep connection with this person. And I'm, look, I'm, I'm saying this could even just be a friendship that, you know, you had shared uh, intimate things about your thoughts and feelings with this person and you had spent a lot of time together. And so you sort of develop this emotional bond with them. And then when they betray you and hurt you and offend you, then that bond 
was was broken and and you know it was deeply painful and hurtful and so there was that that bond that was broken and so there was that sort of soul tie there let me explain it maybe this way and i may have explained this before but you know i believe in the three levels of relationship based off of flesh soul and spirit or as i always say the outer court inner court and holy of holies using the uh, temple and or tabernacle in the Bible as a template. And then it, the, the Bible says that we are living tabernacle. So I just see it in those terms. I'm, like I said, I'm a very visual learner. And so uh, sometimes, uh, and I've, I've heard this analogy of a tree, you know, Jesus had the multitude, he had the disciples, and then he had the three, you know, representative of the different levels of relationships. You know, we may have acquaintances in our life, and then we'll have, you know, uh, friendships, you know, family even friendships, and then you have that intimate level, those two or three, maybe four people that you're very intimate, they know the real you, good, bad, and ugly, they know you. And so I've heard it, you know, like I said, on the analogy of a tree. So on the tree, you may have the level of the leaves, and people, you know, there's lots of leaves, and they kind of come and go, and they can maybe provide you with a little shade, but they generally just zap all the life, suck all the life out of you. And so those relationships don't give you a lot, uh, but they take a lot from you. And uh, But they come and go, and it doesn't really seem to affect the tree. And then you move to the next level, which is that you know deeper level, inner court level, soul level, friendships. And they can be a deeper level. They're like the branches on the tree. They support all of those leaves. When a storm comes, you know, they can sort of stabilize you. And uh, and they become substantial. You know, some branches become very substantial. And uh, when a substantial branch breaks away, oftentimes in a storm, it will leave a scar on the tree. So that's sort of what I'm talking about with these soul ties. And then that last level is the right root level, those intimate relationships that you have. And so when storms come, it may rip off branches, it may rip off leaves, but man, those roots will hold you in the ground. And so uh, those are so important. And so just looking at those levels, you know, sometimes when a soul tie is broken, you know, maybe it's a parent-child relationship, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a best friend, you know, maybe it's a a spouse, you know, whatever. So when those uh, offenses happen, it can be deeply wounding. It can be deeply wounding. So uh, that can leave us when we when we don't forgive those people, especially that can lead us into bondage. I believe it can lead us into bondage. And so it can put us in almost like a mental jail because uh because bitterness and unforgiveness you know they this is the way joyce meyer says it she says unforgiveness is like taking poison hoping it will harm the other person you know it's just destructive it's self-destructive it's not what we're supposed to do and so when we choose to not forgive people and look I understand it's very difficult when it's people who are you have those soul you know soul ties with that you've really sort of shared who you really are with those people when when they don't forgive you know when you don't forgive them 
that can, that can, like it says, you know, put you in bondage. It can put you in a mental prison if you are. So we really have to forgive those people. Uh, the word heart oftentimes in the Bible means your thoughts, your feelings, your emotion, your mind. And this is the part of us, this soul level is the part of us where unforgiveness will turn into bitterness. And so we don't want that. Um, you know, bitterness is is really hard to heal. You know, it's a deep wound. It's 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 sometimes got to be, uh, you know, when you when you have a really bad wound that gets infected, you know, they may have to surgically go in and clean out all the infection, treat it, and then it takes time to heal and it leaves a scar. It's a deep wound. It's a serious thing. And so, um, you know, unforgiveness is something that we uh, we just can't afford in our lives. You know, it comes with a price tag that is expensive. Uh, but you, you have to make a decision. You have to make a decision to do the right thing. Philippians 4, 8 says, things that are true, honest, right, pure, lovely, and admirable. Think on these things. You know, it's a quality decision that you have to make sometimes to forgive someone. Um, let, let me pose it this way. Maybe let's pose some questions um, if you find yourself unwilling to forgive. Uh, number one, uh, do you believe that forgiving requires something of the other person first? Maybe ponder that for just a second. You know, has this wrongdoing and resentment become part of your identity? Wow, I've seen that before. I've actually seen that before. Uh, you know, people that take on a victim mentality, or I would even go as far to say sometimes people take on a victim spirit and it becomes a, just a huge part of who they are. Uh, here's another one. Um, uh, is there a part of you that wants to entertain the anger or the hurt? Wow, that one's going deep. Um, is, is withholding forgiveness about your ego? Are you too proud, you know, sometimes to forgive that person? Uh, what would forgiveness look like? And then the last question is, is this where I want to stay? Um, so those are some pretty heavy questions. If you find yourself unwilling to forgive that you really may want to ask yourself. Uh, moving forward, you know, if you find yourself, maybe uh, the answer that you have to those questions when you really think about it surprises yourself. Let's look to Jesus who taught us the art of forgiveness. Um, you know, in Matthew 18, let, let's just read out of Matthew 18. It says, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Uh, does this mean that we are to forgive 539 times exactly? Yes and more. The writings here by Matthew teach us that forgiveness can be a multitude of times. You know, Jesus was telling us that there's no limits to forgiveness, that forgiveness is eternal and timeless, which means it is holy.
Wow. What a bombshell. You know, man, Dr. Billy Brim, and I've said this so many times, dispensed time for his dealing with dealings with man. But God is eternal and outside of time. He's omnipresent. And so forgiveness has no limits. It is eternal and timeless, which means it is holy. Therefore, forgiveness is not a what, but a who. And so forgiveness is absolutely necessary. It is foundational to us as believers. I love that. You know, in Matthew 18, uh, you know, Jesus just says, he says, the kingdom of God is like a king who decides to square accounts with his servants. And so he cancels out debts. And, and so we, we have to be willing to cancel the debt to NASA, to lift up and just like send that to heaven, if you will. So let's get practical. Let's get very practical with this, this idea of forgiveness and how to navigate this and what is the prophetic part. And so, so let's dig into it. So number one, forgiveness must be a quality decision. You know, sometimes you have to just face the truth. You have to deal with it. You have to make a decision. You have to obey. And that decision has to be a full decision without caveats and, you know, uh, conditions that this needs to be a quality decision. Now, let's Let's break that down. What does that exactly uh, mean? Number one, that does not excuse someone's bad behavior. That, that's not what we're talking about. Forgiveness does not mean that they quote unquote get a pass. You know, if someone kills someone and you decide to forgive them, they still have to go to jail and pay their penalty to uh, the land, you know, to the court system or whatever. Um, so it does not necessarily nullify consequences although sometimes it can especially in minor and small things um so so that means you you know you you cancel their debt that they owe you especially on a spiritual level and even sometimes on an emotional level but uh they still they still have consequences for their behavior you don't excuse necessarily their behavior this one is actually pretty deep. I'm going to sort of, this is sort of under point number one also of that quality decision. Forgiveness does not guarantee reconciliation. Now, this one is kind of interesting. I've actually experienced this where uh, someone had done something that was uneven, backhanded, backstabbing, you know, with me. And they, I think they still wanted to have relationship with me and I, there's no way I could have trusted them at the at that point. I had forgiven them. I had given them, uh, you know, that hey, we can still uh, be friendly. We can still have a conversation, you know, have conversation. But certain topics with this person were completely. I, I made a hard boundary. In fact, I'm going to put a pen right here and say I highly recommend the book Boundaries by Henry Cloud. Fantastic book. If you are afraid of confrontations, if you have trouble saying no to people or setting boundaries in your life, it's a fantastic book. And I recommend that you do the book and the workbook. Fantastic. If you're a very passive person, uh, you know, that's, that's a wonderful, fantastic resource. 
But anyway, so it does not guarantee relationship or reconciliation with that person. Just because you forgive someone doesn't mean you have to continue in a relationship. Now, sometimes it can, but uh, depending on the offense, not necessarily. You know, when reconciliation, sometimes it is not possible, and it would be unwise to force reconciliation uh, with people, especially people who are in rebellion against God. The Bible has in Matthew 18, a clear prescription that when, you know, someone is done wrong, you should first go to them, then you go with two to three witnesses. And then it says uh, you treat them as an unbeliever, meaning, you know, you're not equally yoked with that person. And so I would say that there are certain conditions where, um, and I would say that's not a hard blanket thing. I mean, you know, I've had some people where I may recategorize their position in my uh, relationship boxes, they may be moved from an inner court relationship to an acquaintance level relationship because they broke trust with me. Even though I forgive them, the consequence is, is that we have lost some closeness in our relationship. I will be very cautious with what I share with them. You know, in other words, I may hold them at arm's length, uh, especially maybe if it's in a family where there's been some, you know, something where you feel like you've been totally wronged and then you made the decision to forgive that person, uh, you may limit some of your relationship with them around holidays or, you know, events and things like that. And you may have to kind of hold them at arm's length. Um, It depends on the person. Some people are toxic and you really can't afford to have close relationship even after you forgive them. You know, some people are downright hostile because they're unhappy. And so uh, that's a complicated, you know, uh, thing to navigate. But I have seen people who've maybe had abusive parents, and then they make the decision to forgive them. And then they try to force a relationship with that parent who maybe still, you know, is uh, maybe an alcoholic or something. And it's disastrous. It's not good. And it, it only brings about, you know, a bigger mess. And so you have to walk in wisdom. You can't just, you know, run in there and try to try to fix things that, you know, I believe this is where some of the prophetic things come in. And we'll get back to that and and touch on that as we go through these points. You know, especially if there is abuse, uh, reconciliation may not be a part of this prescription. Forgiveness does not guarantee reconciliation. You may still have to have some kind of separation from that person. And then the last point under number one about the quality decision is that forgiveness is a gift. It's a gift you received and it's a gift that you give. And a gift is a gift. It's just that once you give it, what they do with it is not on you. You gave the gift and uh, you don't necessarily get to dictate what they do with that gift. So, so number one, forgiveness is a quality decision. And the subpoints there are is it does not excuse behavior consequences as it does not guarantee reconciliation and just remind yourself that it is a gift. It's a gift the Lord gave you and a gift that you have chosen to give to others. It is a gift. Number two, this is where there is a prophetic aspect to this of hearing and seeing from the Lord. And I would say that you need to pray that the Lord would give you empathy for the other person. You know, it's common saying, hurting people hurt people. And so it doesn't excuse their behavior. It doesn't put a stamp of approval on bad behavior. 
But having empathy for other people and maybe understanding how they got to where they are, alcoholics who are abusive probably at some point started drinking for a reason. They probably had things they were dealing with. And sometimes just that level of empathy and understanding at least can can help you cope with, you know, and answer the questions of why would someone behave this way? Well, even if you don't get the answer you're looking for, we live in a fallen world under the curse of sin. And people, people are capable of evil. They're just simply capable of evil. And so keeping that in mind that empathy is an eye opener. You know, one of my hobbies is genealogy, and it's really become in some ways like a ministry. And when I dig into history of people and you find out that, oh, this person, you know, was abandoned by their family or they had rejection or, that you know, this or that happened or whatever, it can be eye-opening. It can, it can at least help you understand and have empathy for the perpetrator, for the person who's, who's maybe victimized you or abused you or done you wrong. It at least puts it into perspective. It doesn't make it right. It doesn't excuse their behavior, but it does at least give you perspective. So empathy would be number two. Just pray that the Lord, uh, and that's a journey. Maybe the Lord will, will show you different things. My husband one time had a dream and it was very eye-opening. My husband one time had a dream, and it was eye-opening in a situation like this and gave us some empathy. And, you know, just doing research, I, was, I helped someone one time who was trying to locate his father who had basically uh, had not been in his life, and he had a deep root of rejection. And in researching his father, we learned that, uh, and they were Jewish, that his father's family a lot of them had been killed in the Holocaust out of Poland, and um, there was just a lot of abandonment and hurt in that family, and that it, it just sort of spilled over even into his life. And learning all of that was, at least like I said, it put it into perspective for him, and he was able to make peace and forgive his father even after long after his father had died, and he really never knew his father. And so that was that was interesting. That was a journey he had to go on. That the, and it was really the Lord. And I was so, you know, happy to be able to play a small part in just doing some of the research and, and helping him understand the history within his family. And it was very healing. And so empathy, we can't, we can't go through life hard. And if, if imp- empathy makes you soft, then so be it. But compassion, and that's really what empathy is, it's being able to put yourself emotionally in someone else's shoes. Compassion is what we're commanded to do as Christians. Number three, be led of the Holy Spirit and seek wise counsel. Don't run around to everybody. Don't just go listen to anybody, but seek the counsel first of the Lord. Pray, pray about this. Pray about what's happened. Tell the Lord, pour it all out on him Maybe go to your pastor or a Christian counselor, your mentor, your Sunday school teacher, you know, maybe someone who's older, who's lived, lived. (laughs) Seek some counsel, but just don't run around to everybody. Go to those people in your holy of holies, people with authority in your life. Just go to them and maybe tell them, hey, I'm, you know, maybe it's a parent. Maybe I'm struggling with forgiving a parent for X, Y, Z, you know, 
or maybe I'm having, you know, difficulty forgiving a spouse or a best friend or someone in church, you know, confess that to someone and, and seek counsel for them. But really the Holy Spirit is your ultimate counselor. And that's the person you absolutely should be pouring your heart out to. Absolutely. And I'm going to say too, sometimes journal it, you know, I would say, put it on paper. A lot of times that is extremely helpful and the Lord can go back and remind you of things pray you know let that be part of a whole journey maybe get one notebook just for your forgiveness journey with with whoever and so that you'll have a record of it you can go back and revisit it see how your feelings changed over time and and what the Lord was speaking to you and uh, what scriptures were resonating with you in that moment Uh, let's move on to number four the number four is some practicals how? How do you forgive someone? Maybe you've, you've worked through the emotions spiritually, you've let that person go. And so now how do you go about the act of forgiving them? I'm going to say that this also is sort of subjective. It depends on the situation. You don't necessarily have to meet face to face with everyone that you want to forgive. Sometimes that's required. Sometimes it's just a matter of you letting someone go within your heart, especially if that person is has passed away and maybe they're no longer living. But there are things you can do, uh, you know, that have a lot of power. And a letter is a powerful way. I say less is more. Keep it short and sweet. Don't bring up specific details. Don't accuse anybody else in your letter. Put some scripture maybe with it. Pray about it. Maybe run it by someone who, uh, your pastor, someone with authority in your life, mentor, counselor, whoever, about how to do that. I'm sure there's a lot of resources out there about how to do that the right way. But a letter can be great. Like I said, just journaling it for your own self. Uh, if you, you know, if it's something where you're forgiving someone. Another practical, just simple thing would be, I guess you could do it in a phone call. I'm going to say phone and text are so informal that it's probably not wise unless it's something really small. Um, I don't recommend doing that I think face to face you know meet someone for lunch or whatever or in a letter is probably better I don't think that text is at all a good idea certainly not going on your Facebook is a good idea for something like that and I would say this do not put excuses or conditions in any kind of letter like that and uh, be extremely gracious like and keep it short and sweet. You don't need to go into detail. You don't need to take any digs at anybody. This is about something the Lord's doing in your heart. And so that is a practical way. But I don't think it's absolutely necessary to to always communicate with the other person. Like I said, sometimes forgiveness is an internal choice that you make between you and the Lord. And you just choose to forgive them. I don't think it always requires any kind of confrontation, whether that's in person or through a letter. Uh, Let's move to point number five, and that is to pray for your enemies. In Matthew 5, 44, Jesus commands that we love our enemies and pray for those that persecute you. Okay, this is where it gets a little, little tough. You know, the Lord says to bless them and not to curse them. These are some practical ways. Lord, pray that the Lord would open their eyes. Pray that they would get saved if they're unsaved or if they're, you know, involved with drugs or alcohol, that they would they would be set free from those things. Pray that the Lord would change them, that the Lord would put people to have encounter with them, to lead them to the Lord or to, you know, to to convict them of sin. 
trust God. And and then here's the tough one. So we don't want to just bless them and not curse them, but some we need to put action to that. And I'm going to say that means with your mouth. <laughs> bless them with your mouth. Speak blessing over them and stop cursing. Stop complaining about them to other people. Stop running around to everybody telling them how bad you've been done. Say la. Let that soak for a minute. And then number six, deal with your emotions and your feelings. And this is also a prophetic journey. If you have anger or you're depressed and, and whenever you see them, you become emotionally affected and triggered, then Romans twelve twenty one says we overcome evil with good. That's when you kind of take a breath you step over, you know, maybe go to the restroom and you pray for the Lord to, number one, give you a spirit of self-control. And number two, you pray blessings over that person. It will set you free. It will unlock that prison, that mental prison that you've allowed yourself to be in. And it will set you free from the bondage of unforgiveness. So all of this is a prophetic act. All of this means Nessa throwing all of this up to heaven, releasing this unforgiveness that you have because unforgiveness will grow a root of bitterness and bitterness will go all the way to your bones and will, will only bring negative, unholy things in your life. So, so we prophetically navigate forgiveness by releasing it to the Lord. But I, I sort of visualize, you know, just throwing it up to heaven, just throwing it up to heaven. And so release it to the Lord, put it in the rocket and just send it to heaven. NASA to be lifted up, to lift up your eyes, just look to heaven and give that hurt, give that anger, give that betrayal to the Lord. And like I said, it doesn't guarantee reconciliation with the person, but have empathy, be led of the Holy Spirit, release that person to the Lord. Because when you do, you're bringing freedom to your own self. I hope this ministered to you. I hope it blessed you. I've been trying to tackle some really meaty topics and, and bring in the prophetic element. But this is a journey. This is a, a long journey. Uh, sometimes it can take weeks, it can take months, and for some people, depending on the hurt, it can take years. But you will get there. You will get to the right place if you let the Holy Spirit lead you. Thank you so much for listening, and I pray that the Lord will be gracious to you and that His face will shine upon you as you go about your way. for listening to today's podcast. Please be sure to hit the subscribe button so you'll be informed next time I post. Thank you again and have a blessed day.